everyone. Welcome to At the Devil's Ball, uh, the horror podcast where we talk about films in a uh, constructive and meaningful manner, hopefully. Uh, just to let everybody know, I'm on about three hours of sleep. Uh, I work overnights, so if I end up saying something stupid or lose track of the conversation, I am not high or suffering from a head injury. I am just very, very tired. Um, with me, as always, uh, I am Nathaniel, and with me, as always, is my co-host, uh, Sam Ayel. Hello, I am on many, many drugs. Uh, I have I had had enough sleep. Good. <laughs> no, just here. just just caffeine and nicotine, guys. So yeah, I keep it safe. That's what's that's what's keeping me awake. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, so uh, we have a guest with us this week. We are continuing our our guest choice month, uh, so to speak. Uh, even though we've had two episodes this month with no guest, uh, but technically still guest choice month. Uh, right. We have the lovely and talented Jessica Scott with us. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, we're very, very glad to have you. And uh, so what did you, uh, what, uh, it was guest choice, so what did you, uh, what did you choose for this week? What did you set this I- I chose Terror Vision, uh, which if anybody follows me on Twitter, you're probably familiar with me screeching about this movie a lot. <laughs> um, I try to be an ambassador for it. For good um, reason. It needs an ambassador. Thank you. I mean, for starters, it's just an amazing movie. Um, but uh, if anybody ever talks about this movie, they always talk about it as a so bad that it's good movie, mm-hmm. which I, I take a lot of issue with. Because um, to me, if something is so bad, it's good it aimed for something that it did not reach, but it fails right. entertainingly. Right. They have it. They have it kind of backwards. I feel like it's a good, bad movie. It's trying yeah. to be a schlock movie and it's doing a wonderful job of it. Exactly. Like, yeah. you know, plan nine from outer space is, you know, charmingly incompetent and right. the room is a masterclass in how not to make a movie, but it makes a wonderful movie somehow despite itself. Right. But terror vision tries to be funny tries to be goofy tries to be silly and it hits the mark every time it it achieves all of its goals so i i really take issue with the so bad that it's good it's just really really good so you know well that's kind of that's kind of the people's opinion in general of like the whole you know charles band uh Mm -hmm. franchise brand i mean a lot of times yes they're 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 bad movies but uh especially we'll get into you know their period in the 80s a little bit where they were doing this it's like this is where they're hitting the mark they're they know what they're making they're 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 making it Mm -hmm. yeah they know exactly what they're doing they know what jokes they're telling and to me the television hits it every single time and succeeds every time i'm I'm a total band fan boy so uh you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is a great movie for me too oh good i'm glad to hear it So usually what we do is uh, we do the vital stats before we jump into the film. That's a great introduction. Uh, Sam, do you want to do the honors? Absolutely. Um, it was written and directed by uh, Ted, Ted Niccolo, um, who did went on to do the subspecies series, uh, Bad Channels, and a bunch of other films. Uh, produced, obviously, by Charles and Albert Band. Uh, special effects by John Carl Beekler, uh, who just came... No, he didn't come off Troll 2. He was still working on Troll 1. I'm sorry, not not Troll 2. Right. Uh, and he obviously went on to do the Hatchets. First couple of Hatchet movies, Friday 13th, uh, did Reanimator, Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Uh, he also worked with the recently passed Cleve Hall on this one. Um, special effects wizard. Uh, also worked with him on Troll and Reanimator. Director of photography is uh, Romano Albani, which... We don't always list the director of photography, but I think this one we need to because mm-hmm. it's shot so well. Uh, music by Richard Band. 
um, they tried to get the cramps and they tried to get Frank Zappa to do the music, but uh, scheduling basically wasn't was an issue. Okay. Uh, as far as the cast, we have Diane Franklin as Susie. We've got uh, Barry Warrenoff as Raquel, uh, Garrett Graham as uh, <clears throat> Stan, uh, Chad Allen as Sherman, uh, John Grease or Grise, I could never pronounce it correctly, as OD, and uh, Bert Remsen as Grandpa. Mm-hmm. And I forgot to write down who played the uh, Elvira Medusa character. Medusa's um, Jennifer Richards. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like Jessica's probably got that cast list memorized. <laughs> yeah, yeah I've, I've still got it in front of me just in case I make any mistakes. I don't want to, ah, right, you know, right. present myself as, as an ambassador of this movie and then completely forget who's in it or who made it or anything. Yeah, I right, tend to keep, right. I can, I tend to keep uh, IMDb up to uh, the, the whole time when we do these just to get, yeah. but I guess you got to go back, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, where do we start? Uh, where do we start unpacking? Uh, terror vision do you want to do you want to summarize the film for us jessica uh yeah um we open up on the planet pluton at a sanitation department where they're getting rid of a a hungry beast which is part pet part garbage disposal and the uh extermination of the hungry beast goes awry it ends up going out into the universe as kind of this electrical signal that bounces around from planet to planet and makes its way onto earth and finds it in, in a wonderful pinball scene. Oh basically. God, it's so funny that that opening sequence. Yeah, I I could right. talk forever just about the opening sequence and how that plus the theme song and the theme credits set up the whole movie. Oh, the um, uh, the Fibonacci song. Yes, I'm yes, obsessed so with great. that song. It's so good. Um, but yeah, and it that that signal ends up at the Putterman satellite dish. This mm-hmm. uh, not quite wholesome, wholesome all American family right. who live in the suburbs and. It uh, takes out the Puttermans one by one and eventually takes over the world. Um, it's basically this, you know, zany kind of sleazy 80s satire. That's a love letter to creature features and also yeah. just an indictment of every American who ever lived, basically. <laughs> so. Yeah, it, it it's kind of feels in the same kind of vein as like Deadly Spawn or uh, mm-hmm. uh society which came out you know a few years after this is it's also a good uh representation mm-hmm. of this movie yeah but yeah there's still a lot of heart to it too like there's a yeah. a goofy charm and a sweetness to it even though it's kind kind of it's not, yeah dour. it's not it, it's 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 a doubter of a movie if you actually write down the plot and just look at it <laughs> yeah um yeah. but it's not mean in its execution it's no. not it's it knows you know i always like to when i try to brand ambassador for uh the charles band uh, <laughs> universe i always try to like explain it like they're like second rate uh ec comics or like mm-hmm. you know marvel four color comics of you know like the 70s and 80s where it feels like it's all that happens in the same universe it's all very bright garish um creep show is another thing that you know kind of goes for that same feel as uh, mm-hmm. the band was doing obviously they're not the same thing but (laughs) right (laughs) but yeah like the movie makes fun of everybody but most of all itself and i think that's the key like it's not mean-spirited it's just Mm. having a hell of a lot of fun right and they're all kind of their own little uh spoofs each character is their own little spoofs of a different kind of like la person yeah exactly you've got the parents are the swingers who are far less who look like jude and warren cleaver at first and then you're like yeah 
then they break but, out the naga hide and but they do the, it they do it well because you know that first scene where they're introducing the father you know like the guy the the satellite dish salesman is like leering at his wife and he notices but he doesn't really say anything about it you're like that's right. kind of weird right. and he did, you know say hey stop ogling my wife yeah and then later you find drop. out well oh okay i see right they do drop little details it's more subtle yeah. than i think people give it credit for but mm-hmm. one of the things i love about it is its lack of subtlety but there are those subtle little details that if you're yeah. looking for them are really rewarding yeah, I noticed uh, in all the rooms there are basically um, lesbian bondage. Uh, <laughs> right when uh, they first showed the when wall. they first showed the daughter walking into the living room, an appropriate painting to have in your family's house, and they're like, "Oh, okay, now that's yeah." It's the art in that the production design on that is incredible. Um, I'm looking it up real quick. Uh, Giovanni Natalucci, the yes. production designer, did an amazing job with all the really sleazy art. That... Yeah, I I guess they had gone around to like swingers clubs in Los Angeles mm-hmm. to yeah. look for inspiration, and I'd say they did a good job of finding inspiration right yeah and honestly did they call this... did they call the jacuzzi room like the pleasure dome or something the pleasure dome yes. yeah which... <laughs> and they, they don't shield the kids from any of it which is wild. No. like it's it's in every single room it's not just mm. in the pleasure dome and the kids aren't allowed in there no they they don't care if the kids know they're always telling the kids don't bother us while we're swinging kids like they're right. so over the top about it yeah, it's they've really only got two influences in the house, and that's the swinger parents and the uh, the Alex Jones grandpa. Right? Yeah. <laughs> God, with his lizard tail jerky and his right. bunker filled with hand grenades that he lets his like. Yeah, this was back. Movies. This was back in like you know the eighties when like you know you could be a kooky conspiracy theory and there wasn't like a sense of like oh my god we're in trouble somebody's gonna shoot us you know exactly. <laughs> This movie yeah. plays very differently today. I watched it right. last night. At uh, luckily, my my uh, work was slow enough that I was able to watch it on on uh, YouTube. Which I, kids don't watch it on YouTube. That's, <laughs> that's pretty illegal. But um, yep. uh, it shouldn't be there. But uh, but I went to watch it on YouTube at work. And it, that's it, the only place you can stream it now, right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I was surprised I, I, I couldn't. It wasn't even on the full moon uh, streaming, which I have. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I was kind of really surprised it was there. I'm always surprised what you can randomly find on YouTube. Right. But again, yeah. kids, don't go to YouTube. It's, it's, <laughs> it's pirated. It's, but... it's not illegal to watch things on YouTube. I, I don't really know. If you try to but, do it through, through means where the artists get paid first, but, uh, yeah. 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 Right. Um, but yeah, I, I lucked out on that one, but, uh, but it, it plays very differently, um, mm. I think today. Um, I, I, I mean, I hesitate to bring it up, but like there is the weirdly homophobic joke in the middle of it. Um, yes. that is, uh, that would have, I was played... expecting him to be into it and I was kind of disappointed that he wasn't. It's been a while yeah. since I've rewatched this one. So I forgot a little, little details. Yeah. But to um, me, that's a joke about how they think they're very worldly and cosmopolitan, but they're very provincial people. Yeah. Like yeah, he's supposed to be this swinger who's very sex right. positive and very open-minded, but then he makes a, hom- makes a homophobic joke. To me, that's right. a joke at the expense of that character, which I'm not trying to defend homophobic stars, no, but no, that's how I, I read it. I, I feel like that could definitely be, have been the intention at the time. Um, yeah. It's just, it could play, it, it just could play wrong to, to wrong people. Just like, Oh yeah. You know, I, I love the kooky survivalist grandpa because when I was a kid, I, I read all those kind of weird conspiracy theory stuff and all the survivalist stuff because I, I found it fascinating. And then they get to the bunker and there's a giant Confederate flag and I'm like, oh, right. yeah, yeah. That's what I said. That's, that's what where I mean. you kind of Right. Is that your point to the, you know, back when the 80s, when this was like kind of like a charming quirk? 
right. you know, like this was mm-hmm. a, an insane person in the 1980s. Now it's a dangerous person. Right. It was and so my thought process was, watching the movie was like, I'm like, they're letting their their 10 year old son hang out with this lunatic. But like, right. you know, I guess back in the 80s, it would have just been oh, he's harmless. Yeah. He's and I guess armed. allegedly it was based on a, on a guy who who uh, from L.A. who an anti-war act. 60s uh general hershey bar i think they his name was yeah, i didn't have true. time to look to look into who that guy actually was but it, that that was the basis for the character uh they, according to people behind the scenes so yeah it was just you know like your run-of-the-mill kook the guy at the street corner who's handing out pamphlets you know mm-hmm. yeah and about they, fluoridation of the water or something right you know, and, and they make jokes at his expense where he, right. you know, complains about the other kooks who are ruining his <laughs> yeah. good time. Like, I can't disseminate my literature because all the crazies are out right. you know, with, when he's, you know, extolling the virtues of lizard tail jerky and offering people, you know, lizard meat. Yeah. So, and there's a part of me that still would be a ver- perfectly OK if when I was 70, I looked exactly like that guy. And just <laughs> like that's, a, that's a cool look he's got going there. I, I definitely wouldn't have a Confederate flag anywhere unless I was burning it. But other than that... <laughs> Right. right. I do like the hat, like the hat they yeah. with all the planes and everything. I'm afraid right. like it's bedazzled, but with like giant toys. I, I would I would wear that. Do you think that grandpa had a had a hand in naming the, the young son Sherman after a tank? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I think he pretty much took custody of Sherman. I think yeah, from, that's, that was like his kid. Gym. Yeah. He doesn't have much interest in Susie, probably because she was a girl. So she right. just, you know, grew into the little cindy lopper metalhead hybrid right that she ended and they up even being. have a nice you know when you're talking about poking fun of their own you know uh quirks or their their own you know kind of them being a stereotype of this or that you know grandpa comes in he's like ah the damn boob tube who the hell cares mtv's ruining the jades and then they show like you know <laughs> one of the worst science fiction movies ever <laughs> and he's like yes i love tv right you know? Yeah. Or, you know, when Medusa comes on and she's, right. you know, very buxom filling the mm-hmm. Elvira role. And he's like, right. oh, TV's not so bad after all. When he right. was complaining about, you know, people being destroyed by deviant television shows. I think that I think that kind of shows that I think your idea of, you know, that, that being a little more provincial than they think they are. Right. Is actually, that's that's that holds that up, I think, because mm-hmm. he's the same way. Yeah, exactly. They're they're not as sophisticated or as worldly or as. Um, right inclusive of the, as, as right the, as they think they are and when they talk about the art um when spiro spiro and cherry are a swinging couple who come to visit right. to to play with the puttermans um mm-hmm. when spiro asks about all the art on the walls all the weird bondage well not weird right. excuse me but all the bondage right. stuff um well, it was always played as weird for the time so right yeah yeah um Stanley is like, oh, yeah, I find a place where they, you can get all this crap real cheap. So obviously, you know, he's not the art right. aficionado that he pretends to be. Like, it's poking fun at these people yeah. and their self-image at every turn. Right. It was never quite clear what their income level or what their jobs were, but I, I don't feel like that's important necessarily. <laughs> yeah, no, like they're they're obviously very well off. Like they live on right. Putterman Lane and they're very far removed from the city. So they've got enough money to be isolated right. and buy all this art and all these electronics. Like he's got a think, state-of-the-art satellite. And... Do you think they made their money the old-fashioned way by inheriting it? <laughs> <laughs> probably like right. or or he's you know just a white male yeah the putter person live on, the puttermans live on putterman lane I yeah mean, that's, yeah so I feel exactly like... it, yeah it might be like a family thing yeah right. i hadn't thought of that i just assumed he was just like you know i'm a white businessman in the 80s right. so i've got a lot of money yeah yeah i'm surprised there's no cocaine usage in this movie no drug use at all really is no. there 
There's no. not like they they like they didn't even to... like give him poppers or anything at the beginning of the Swex party or nothing. I know, and they bring it up because like right. they always they make a few jokes about Sherman being on drugs and having a psychiatrist, right. and then yeah, um, when Susie but that's asks, not illicit drugs. I mean, that's him, you know, being the ADHD kid. kid right? Yeah, but the uh, OD when he finds out that there are pills available, he's like, "What color all the are the pills?" And that's the <laughs> right. only drug reference. Well, and his name. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird because it's also like like I was saying, you know, Charles Band movies. They kind of a lot of them toe the line between inappropriate and appropriate for all ages, you know. Because mm-hmm. yeah. what was the what was they had a kids they had a kids studio line too, and I can't remember. That. It was this was Empire, and then they mm-hmm. went on to become Full Moon, and there was a kids one that was like Wizard or, or something like that. I can't remember. They did a like the director of this went on to make a couple of kids movies for band as well i think they're called leaping leprechauns one and two <laughs> and no i have not seen it <laughs> but i did see it on imdb but yeah it does it feels very cartoony like it feels very right. much like a looney tunes cartoon even though there's yeah. there are all these references to swinging and all a lot right. of nudity in the background yeah but there's not actually you know nudity on screen or really sex on screen so it is that bizarre yeah the closest um, they really get is between even when they're even when they're like you know doing their swinger thing, and I know the monster had taken them at this point, and they weren't they weren't one per they were all one being at this point. But uh, when they're all in the bed together, like they're <laughs> they're they're acting like kids having a sleepover. They're kicking their legs. They're just kicking their legs. That's, yes, the whole yeah. thing oh, that's, that's going underneath it. That's my favorite gag when you know right. all four swingers are in the bed, and it's this weird billowing motion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then suddenly Grandpa pops up, and it's such right. a disgusting <laughs> joke, but it's so yeah. wholesome in a way. I it's it's. it's built in a way where like you know modern cartoons kind of build in jokes for the parents to get yeah yeah and then you know stuff that the little kids are getting i feel like a lot of that stuff that's you know on the line would just go over kids heads <laughs> and i think they yeah, do that exactly like this is not child appropriate at all but it feels right. like something you would show to kids because <laughs> it's got that it. cartoony nature i saw it i think in 87 so i was like 10 you know oh wow i i didn't i was in like my last year of college when I saw it, I saw it at a horror festival um, and saw it on the big screen and was just blown away. Like, what the hell is this movie? And why have I not heard about it? Right. Well, when I was like, when I was a kid, like my parents would just let, let us rent whatever we wanted. And I just kind of moved my way through the, through the store, through the video store from like (laughs) action to like fantasy to like the horror. They're like, just don't, just don't go in the back section where it's for the adults. With the beaded (laughs) curtain in front of it. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah, uh, this film is it's a definitely an interesting film. I, I tend to be I tend to be made a little bit uncomfortable by movies where where the characters act like insane lunatics the whole time. Right. Um, but so it's not really my kind of movie. I think I'm gonna be the odd man out on that. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but I'm also I'm also a pretentious twat. So I mean like I uh, I mean I could be pretty pretentious too, but you know, it's yeah, I, I also I, like I also like utter crap and this is good this crap. is yeah, and I and I appreciate this film's general aesthetic i mean it, it's definitely what i kept thinking about and obviously you mentioned already like robot monsters shown in it um you know a couple of other old uh 1950s uh earth versus the flag saucers so yeah. i think it's another big one that they did yeah yeah and uh so i appreciate that you know they're kind of they're way more interested in like the 1950s science fiction era which was when <laughs> horror was sort of out of not really in vogue uh mm-hmm. but sci-fi got scarier right uh so i appreciate that element where they're definitely like we're really really interested in the the campy 1950s stuff 
and and what and they play with that extremely well right. um uh, along with some really really interesting visual effects i mean the monster looks great mm-hmm. um right. and uh something that i've talked about on the other podcast study where we've talked about um the visual effects versus cgi and sam and i've talked about a little bit right. of uh, how often you know uh uh, visual effects can look really campy mm-hmm. um in this case it's intentionally campy so it, right. looks, it looks great um he's he's not exactly well thought out but neither were the right. monsters in 1950 right <laughs> so yeah, well, i'm like i i saw a little start of a little snippet of an interview where he's like you know they basically kind of said to me and said you know make the monster look really stupid <laughs> and so he's, he's like i tried to make it like an asymmetrical like turd of a dog <laughs> And just, you know, and like, yeah, that's, and you can tell it's, you know, if you watch a lot of 80s horror, like, you know, we obviously do, like, you can always tell, like, certain artists, and this is definitely a Beekler, you know, yeah. production. Yeah, um, like, it's a perfect combination right. of adorable and disgusting and hilarious and a little right. bit creepy. Mm-hmm. And um, really, with, really, really gross and sticky, because, yes. Know, they, there's so they, much goop in this movie. They, <laughs> they apparently, like, had barrels upon barrels of, uh, KY basically, and they just mm-hmm. slathered it down at every scene, and I guess it got everywhere, and you know, yeah, stained everything it touched, yeah. and right, yeah, and the act, the characters can't stop touching it. They're always picking right. up pieces of goo that used to be a person, and and it's funny because you know the uh, the the swinger guy that they pick up is in the mm-hmm. in jacuzzi. He's like, oh, is this some sort of lubricant? Yes, <laughs> and he's like, well, well, yeah, technically it is. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, and, I mean. Go ahead. No, you go. No, I wasn't really. I was. I. I, I don't even remember what I was going to say. So. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I was going to say. You know, I. I. I realize that this is not going to be to everyone's taste because I have a right. huge appetite for camp. Um, yeah. I like you know, goofy neon cartoon kind right. of movies. So this is like the platonic ideal of what a movie is to me. You know, <laughs> I have. I, I have the, you know pretentious tastes, and I like serious art house horror and really bleak horror that doesn't have any humor in it at all right but but this movie is so dear to my heart just because it's so over the top and it it's so bonkers and goes for it at every turn and i think hits it at every turn um but yeah i do appreciate that sometimes you're just not gonna like terror vision because it's just a little too much or a little too campy so i understand that completely but it doesn't it doesn't really make the mistake that a lot of of camp movies do nowadays where it like tries to show the audience that they're in on the joke yeah like they're not like hey look at how stupid we are you know (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. It's the it's played straight within the confines of the story, but you know it's obviously just written with as a, lo- a loving tribute to those kind of movies instead of being and like a, is, we're better than this kind of movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone is one hundred percent committed in this movie, right? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. The performances are fantastic. Like, yeah. um, I, I I rewatched it again last night too, and I was talking to a few people online about it, and you know, someone called out Garrett Graham for his performance because. God, he just gives everything every time. Yeah. But in this movie, he's so great. But I think everybody, you know, and you if you watch the the making of featurette on the mm-hmm. the um, double bill this, Blu-ray that Sh- Screen right. Factory put out, they talk about how you know they had to start doing more and more takes just to get as over the top as Nicolau wanted them to be. Because you know, yeah. Diane Franklin was like, "Are you sure?" And John right. Grays was like, "Am I? This is too much." And you know, Nicolau was like, "No, it's not enough yet. Trust me." Right. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love 
when everybody's operating well, yeah, cause, I mean, an artist, at that level. Uh, an actor's, you know, first inclination, even in a movie like this, is to give the realistic performance. Mm-hmm. And then you just yeah. kind of have to yeah, keep coaxing it out of them until you have it where it's, you know, elevated to that. I, I could definitely see why they would do lots of takes for that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I can understand their reticence to be as right. over the top as they were. But to yeah. me, it's perfect for this movie. And I, mm-hmm. I think they all do give amazing performances. But, you know, like I said at the top of the show, some people see over the top campy performances and automatically automatically assume it's bad right. instead of just this was the vision for this movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You always have to be willing to meet the meet the film on its own terms to mm-hmm. to really get it, I think. Um, that's kind of our thing. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's what we what we kind of try to do is, is we, we we can look at a film. I mean, we're going to be doing some pretty lousy films, I think, in May. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah. uh, and uh, and what we're we, we, the thing is that we look at these films and then we say it is what it is and that's OK. Right. Yeah. That's and, the, the Mike Nelson movie cheese, you know, thing of what you, you rate the movie by how it achieves what it what it does, Road what it House, wants to do. The Roadhouse, the Roadhouse rule. Yeah. yeah. Roadhouse yeah. is the perfect movie because it does exactly what it set out to do. Yeah. Right. And Terrorvision definitely does that. And then after that, mm-hmm. it's that's that's when you start getting into personal preference, you know, right. uh, to, to judge a movie as being good or bad isn't just your personal preference. It's how they achieved it, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that makes perfect sense because I'm also Roadhouse is probably on my top 10 of all time list, probably, Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, which I'm sure makes me sound uh, not as intelligent yeah. as maybe my, I present my myself wife, to be. But <laughs> my wife and I have been trying to start a tradition at my parents' house because it was playing on TV one Christmas and we've been trying to make it a tradition every Christmas uh, to watch Bloodsport at my uh, parents' house on Christmas Day, because <laughs> Bloodsport is an amazing film. It needs yeah. to be in the AFI's top 100. <laughs> I mean, it's because oh, yeah. of that rule, you know, it's just. Yeah. Oh, I love, I, I, there's, I mean, I, I grew up um, uh, loving, before I found horror, I was into 90s action films. Right. Action heroes. And those films are terrible. But right, yeah. but they are so much fun to watch. If we ever got you know infinite time, we would start a second podcast of yeah. bad '90s action films and just yeah. do like Seagal and, and <laughs> Christopher Lambert. Yeah, and everything else. And there are some there are some legitimately solid films. In yeah, there. yeah. There, but there are also like uh, some god awful stuff. And, uh, right. But I mean, I miss the days of uh, over the top British villains. You know, right. like mm. where they just were just evil for no reason. Yeah, or the, or um, the same with the Germans. British. Like, yeah, like why, are, why are you terrorists? Urban. I mean, yeah. for starters. <laughs> right. yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, in, in terms of this film, I mean, like uh, you were saying about like, uh, we were talking about committed performances and uh, and how people automatically see campy acting as bad acting. Uh, but it's uh, it was something I remember from uh, watching the TV show Angel with my father mm-hmm. was that my father uh, was a musician and he noticed that David Boreanaz, who plays Angel when he was doing karaoke in uh, season two, mm-hmm. was doing bad singing on purpose. And my father was like, I bet he actually can sing well. And I said, why do you say that? And he said, because if you can sing badly on purpose, you have you to know, know how to, how to right. sing. Right. right. Yes. And so uh, and so a film like Terrorvision, where everybody's sort of overacting, but they're overacting on purpose. You well, know, yeah, I mean, they, even behind even behind the camera, you know, like. There, there's the people from the the band company, um, and you know they filmed in uh, Dino De Laurentiis's old studio in Italy. So mm-hmm. they had all these people behind the scenes who worked with like you know De Laurentiis, um, 
the DP had worked on uh, Phenomena and uh, Inferno for Dario Argento. So they know what they're doing. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And, and that comes through because the, right. the gorgeous neons in that movie. Yeah. But yeah, I was going to say to follow up on that point, I had a music teacher in high school who said in order to break the rules, you first have to know them. Right. And that's 100 percent correct. You know, they they set out to make a movie that looks bad, but they knew how to do it in a good way. Right. And this is not just incompetence or silliness when they were aiming for seriousness know that i uh, you know I, I will defend this movie to my death this is oh, a absolutely. great movie i'll be yeah i'll be right there with you, you know? yeah. <laughs> but you i'm sorry Nathaniel, i'm sorry yeah. i made you watch this since oh you're no not a big it's, fan of it. <laughs> it's not it's not that i don't like it uh, uh it, because i do appreciate the film for what it is um mm. and uh, that's why that's why we were doing guest choice month is to do stuff that maybe we wouldn't normally otherwise choose mm. and i don't think right. terrorvision was on our radar um, and so, uh, but no, I, I saw the film the first time, I think a few years ago, I think I actually got around to it. Uh, I've never really been a Charles band guy. Um, and, uh, I remember enjoying the film in, in general, but not being blown away by it. And this time I was like, this movie is, is really interesting to watch now yeah. because it, things have changed, um, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the, what would have been, you know, kind of considered a little bit, maybe a little bit funnier in the eighties is now a little right. bit more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say most of it still works, though. I, mean, I think most of it still of, works. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'll tell you, my favorite thing about this movie is uh, mm-hmm. what's the actress who plays uh, the daughter? Diane Franklin. Diane Franklin. Diane Franklin. Yeah. She was in Better Off Dead and uh, like Amityville, Amityville 2. 2. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, uh, that Cindy Lauper thing is doing it for me. <laughs> right. She was she was absolutely gorgeous, and I'm like, holy crap! I need to we need to come back with the Cindy Lauper. Yeah. <laughs> I have had that outfit. Yeah, she can rock and roll my wrestling list. any day. You know? <laughs> I, I tell you, I one of these days I'm going to dress up as Susie, and once I get the outfit on, I'm never taking it off. Like I just need to figure out right. how to get all those wigs to work. Well, they just took right. a bunch of wigs and glued them together, didn't they? And yeah, but there's so much going on with that hair. But I, yeah, I'm working on that look. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like a like a a movie with a little less care would have just gone to like the Halloween store and just got like exactly. you know, a punk rig and thrown it on her. Yeah, like or, a rainbow you know, Tina Turner thing, or you know, OD would would still be dressed like a stereotypical they call him a punk but he's he's wearing a wasp shirt he's a metal guy right oh yeah he talks about metal Um, that's another thing uh, they took the time time to make his body look like a guitar yeah i mean it's so smart and his cuffs make the struts yeah right yeah it's just they, they put a lot of you know care into details that really most people wouldn't even think of or bother with exactly like to me uh, sometimes a bad movie is just kind of slapped together with no right. care they cared about every single detail except, in this movie from the music ex- to the set except for charles bad didn't care what movie he made because he just gave oh, him no. a post he can't yeah, he 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 he's, he's like here's the poster yeah. go write it <laughs> like what but that's how some of the best movies get, yeah. get made like that you know Val Luton, when he was working he would yeah. get a title and then right. he would just go off and make a masterpiece they're like yeah right. make something called cat people and then yeah, and I, and, yeah. I 100% read right of this movie because of the VHS cover. I mean, that's there's oh, no yeah. doubt about it. I it's mean, fantastic. Right. Yeah. I will actually say, I think that this film, uh, it kind of surprised me to really find out it was Charles Band. I actually thought it was, uh, I, uh, it never actually occurred to me to make that connection until uh, I saw his name in the title this right. time. And I was like, you know, this is, uh, uh, is definitely a cut above, I think, a lot of the Charles Band kind of schlock. Well, I think Charles Band in the 80s was where you really want to get on board because yeah. the 90s, he started, you know, having, going from having small budgets to, to no budgets. Right. <laughs> and, and nowadays it's like, you know, micro budget, you know, and it's, they're, 
they're hitting for the nostalgia more than anything else. They're doing, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to speak ill of like, you know, Killjoy or Ginger Dead Man, but because I do <laughs> like them, but they're not good movies. Um, I love Killjoy. I, I do too, but it's not a good movie. None of them are. No. Um, a couple of them kind of almost hit that mark of feeling like, you know, you're reading back issues that you got for a nickel. Um, <laughs> you know, which is fine. This is, you know, when I go to Charles Band 4, mostly, uh, mm. I've, I've never gotten as deep into like Roger Corbin as I have with Charles Band because there's just so much more of Corbin's work and some of it's, mm-hmm. you know, from far enough before my time where it doesn't fit with me well, you know. Mm-hmm. I think there's so I think Band is a lot of Corman. Yeah, but I think, you know, Band's operating in that same kind of space, you know. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I think actually the uh, In Search of Darkness documentary kind of connected them as mm-hmm. the two the two guys who were who were literally making movies for no money uh, right. uh based on a uh, general idea and just cranking this stuff out and hoping mm-hmm. something sticks and uh, usually usually you get you know a good bang for your buck carbon always came in you know on schedule and under budget and yeah. most of the time you, it looked good i mean it looked like a movie yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes well, yeah, it I mean, didn't you know yeah they don't they don't do it like uh like uh charles band or uh roger corman anymore no as uh, as jessica kind of pointed out now you've got you know you get tommy wetzel right know. or you get you know the asylum who just don't give a shit right um right. i could do a whole podcast on, on asylum films i love because i have a i have a strange love for mockbusters. um but <laughs> at the same time they're not i could never defend them like i could you know this movie or um demonic toys or right Transfers, which isn't even tongue in cheek, uh, the transfer series. I could I could defend that all day and into the night. Yeah, and everybody would just be like, "What the fuck is transfers?" <laughs> like, why would you shut up about this? I've only known I, I only know of transfers. I don't think I've even right. seen transfers. Oh, that's a it's it's a cool sci fi low, yeah. low budget sci fi series. Yeah, I know I saw like a, it's like a time cop with no budget. <laughs> And Time Cop had a whole uh, uh, right. high budget. Um, yeah, comparatively. Um, yeah, I mean, okay, they they could afford to pay Ron Silver, so I guess right. Money, and Jean Claude, gosh darn, wasn't exactly you know going for cheap those days. No, I guess that would have been in his heyday. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was still when he was probably commanding a pretty decent amount of money for a film. So yeah, you're probably right. But um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I I uh, I really love uh. uh I love the daughter and I love um, OD. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Grease, I could watch him do anything. Uh, I've always enjoyed. yeah. He's the old, he's the only part of like Napoleon Dynamite I like. I think. Is he in Napoleon Dynamite? He was Uncle Rico. Oh, okay. I never. I think I I saw Napoleon Dynamite once. And yeah, it that was enough for me. If we're talking <laughs> about movies that like like this that pull off being you know dub and and, and right. be movie ish on purpose and do it well, and I feel like. Holy and Dynamite is like an example of what tries too hard. Apologies to anybody who likes Holy and Dynamite, but I just yeah. feel like it, it's just yeah, trying to be quirky. Yeah, we're, not out to, we're not out to offend anybody with, with our anti-Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> right. agenda. Well, how did you get canceled on Twitter? Well, we said something bad about Napoleon Dynamite. No, I mean, I'm close now. Now that I mentioned something negative about uh, Zack Snyder, now I'm getting uh, now I'm getting it on Twitter uh, now. Well, so. we, now you've done it. Now yeah. Yeah, so, I avoid yeah. that entirely. <laughs> <laughs> it's for the best. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, I mean, we haven't been able to get through an episode these last three or four weeks without mentioning Zack Snyder at least once. And I feel kind of bad. Like we're just punching it over and over again. But it's, <laughs> such, it's such a big thing and it takes up so much space in, in, in movie, movie geekery right now. It's, yeah. it's almost hard to avoid the topic. Yeah. True. Yeah. I still haven't watched, um, you know, ZSJL, um, but I just, I try to avoid talking about things on Twitter that I, I just like to talk about things I love and not right. wade yeah. into controversy as much. Yeah. As I, I, don't, I don't, I don't want to have to have to argue with people online. It's just, it's, right. it's stressful. It's not fun. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I muted the, uh, I muted the, the picture that I shared about uh, the, uh, about Zack Snyder's Justice League. So I don't have to hear about it anymore. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, for the same reason, I I, I hate arguing with people online. It's so exhausting, mm-hmm. and there, there's too much. I mean, that's actually was the impetus behind us even starting this podcast. We felt right. like there was too many straight white guys talking trash. Right, that we were being like, negative well, about let's everything. Be, let's yeah. be two straight white guys who talk nice. Um, right. You know, <laughs> who even uh, you know even well you know like again like television, which isn't is not for me. But I'm definitely going to be like, no, this this is a lot of fun. You know, right. I, uh, I would never take anything away from anybody. Um, yeah, like you know, we we did Freddy's Dead, and uh, <laughs> that, was first, that was our very first episode. Yeah, and, and that was and the then entire I, point. We were like, and then the next month, I no, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say that was our very first episode, and it was like, how are we gonna talk about Freddy's Dead without talking about how bad it is? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then it. we then we went out and did you know the the remake. <laughs> And, and then you know the next month i i decided i was going to do one of the films i like the least in the world uh, which is focus pocus <laughs> and so coming at it we're trying uh, yeah positively yeah. was 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 fun was a fun challenge but that's why i like listening to the podcast because i mean i don't think that there's no room at all for you know negative comments about movies right. if something doesn't work it right. doesn't work right but uh, you know i do like that you're trying to be constructive about it like if i if i don't like something here's why here's what could have been done better but you're not approaching it from a negative space or a let's just shit on everything space just for the fun of it no you know i i do think it's more of a bright spot in podcasting than perhaps some other shows i'm not trying to criticize other people but you know that's really sweet of you thank you um because the last thing we want to do is you know start being like you know the nostalgia critic or (laughs) (laughs) cinema yeah yeah um again if you like those things great um but anyway, back I occasionally to- will watch a Cinnamon Sins video just for fun. I mean, but it's 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 not sure. a good format. But <laughs> right. But uh, so back to television. Sorry. Um, no, no, we we, we always digress. Yeah, we, I'm I'm very random. I tend to yep. go on fun tangents, even when I come in. Like I'm going to talk about television for an hour straight and tell you why it's great. I'll get distracted, so it's all good. Right. Yeah. Well, normally we don't digress talking about ourselves, though. <laughs> so, there's, yeah. uh, so there's that. But. Uh, I blame the sleep deprivation. That's, uh, That's I, I become I apparently become narcissistic <laughs> when sleep deprived. But um, but yeah, uh, well, we've mentioned uh, uh, Buchler a couple of times uh, this episode, and uh, we've talked about him a couple of times in the past. Yeah. Sam, um, uh, I want to give like a just like kind of a talk about how great John Carl Buchler was, and yeah. I don't think he gets the the credit he deserves. Mm-hmm. Um. Like society, you mentioned society. Worked on society. Right. Uh, everybody talks about uh, screaming Mad George on that movie. Yeah. But Buchler, uh, you know, was he was he, he fought his way up through the uh, through the minutia. I think one of his first films was Prison with uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah. Rennie Harlan. Yep. Um, who barely got hired on Nightmare Four, and he brought Buchler along with him because Buchler right. was so good on the visual effects on Prison. 
that he did all these really cool stuff. Um, he did the the famous pizza scene in Nightmare Four. That was Bugler. Yeah. Um, you know, he he was doing all of this really really gnarly organic stuff. Um, and uh, I think he probably brought more to society than I think people want to mention. Screaming Mad George gets all the credit. Even Nightmare Four. Yeah. Screaming Mad yeah. George did the cockroach scene. Everybody's again. like, cockroach scene. And I'm like, no, that pizza scene. All right. right. Again, if, if if you watch, if you're into this, you know, kind of stuff like like we I think we all are. Yeah. Uh, you can you can even go and like, yeah, like in Nightmare 4, you can tell which parts are Beekler and which parts are Screaming Mad George. And, you know, mm. you can Chiodo Brothers from, you know, uh, Rabotine, you know, mm. it's. Yeah, and I, I think I've, I've described this before as the Terravision is if John Waters directed the thing instead of John Carpenter. Because there's a, a, that's there's a, a great way to say That's it. a great way to put it. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> but it totally is. Like it's, oh, yeah. it's very sleazy and campy and satirical, but there's a lot more body horror than people remember, I think. Yeah. Um, but because you know the the hungry beast kind of more because there's so much going on in this film you know you, yeah. could, you could focus an entire episode on just like the the satire of you know la in in the 80s or mm-hmm. you could you could spend an hour on just the how the creature is you could spend an hour on b movies in the 50s you can spend an hour on exactly. elvira i could go on i know spend an that's hour it. just listing the things we could spend an hour on right yeah that's why i'm always screaming on twitter like please have me on your podcast to talk about this movie because i will never run out of things to discuss mm-hmm. about things i love about this movie mm-hmm. but i'm glad you, you know, brought up the thing because yeah i feel like we would have really missed it dropped the ball if we had forgotten to mention the thing because i mean absolutely because it's it's absorbing other right. life forms and mimicking them even using their voices to you know it pretends to be grandpa at one point to talk to the kids or to talk to Raquel Mm -hmm. um but that to me that's the log line is John Waters the thing instead of John Carpenter's the thing yeah absolutely and especially with the weird you know I'm sorry not weird but the weird for the 80s sex stuff going on and like just everybody's everybody's a little off kilter you know that that's Mm -hmm. a John that's a very John Waters kind of way to yeah it's like hyper reality like all the colors are oversaturated the characters are oversaturated in a way you know yeah, everybody's yeah, and like I said, like these movies where everybody's nuts. Mm. Uh, very, <laughs> which is very John Waters. Right. Uh, yeah, I I actually remember back in high school, I got apparently getting narcissistic again. In high school, I wrote a, a bad review for Pink Flamingos for my mm. high school newspaper, and uh, I I remember a teacher actually coming up to me and being like, "What the hell, man?" What, <laughs> you, know, you know, and I'm like, "I don't, I I hated the movie," and uh, I uh, uh, so I mean, I'm not a John Waters guy either. <laughs> Um, but it's a great way to put it. I mean, and, and again, I appreciate John Waters' contribution right. to film. I think um, his thought process did Sam freeze? Oh, well, I think so. That's okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I appreciate uh, John Waters' contribution to film and uh, and that campiness that he brought to the table. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, I don't. Uh, it's never worked for me personally, and uh, Terrorism is one of those films. But I really do enjoy it. Uh, but what you said, you could talk about it endlessly. So please uh, interrupt me and bring us into a new direction. Well, no, you're fine. Like, I, I, you know, the John Waters thing, I, I, I totally appreciate people who that's just not their thing. Sometimes something, even if you recognize it as good, it's just not for you. And that's totally valid. Um, I think some people who dismiss John Waters kind of don't get his intelligence and his sharp yeah. eye about yes. American society. Yeah. And uh, the, likewise with television, it's a really sharp look at 
all the excesses and idiocies of American society. I, I don't think we've really gone into the satire as much. Um, Let's do cause it. Because you've, you've got, you know, the swinger couple who think they're more sophisticated and more sex positive than they really are. Yeah. Um, you've got the OD and Susie are these kind of little metalhead kids who, um, to me, they... It's not making fun of people who like metal. It's not making fun of people who like Madonna and Cindy Lauper. It's making right. fun of people who use one specific taste as an entire personality. Yeah. Like I'm a metalhead. That's my entire personality. I don't have to develop myself beyond that. Yeah. You know, you've got the conspiracy theorist kind of survivalist in grandpa, which as you mentioned, it does feel more sinister now. Than it probably did in the 80s back then it was just the kooky grandpa Mm -hmm. with his wild ideas and oh that's just grandpa again but it does feel scarier now because we know more than media led on in the 80s how dangerous people like that can be how dangerous ideas like that can be yeah um and then with sherman with his obsession with being a soldier like all the jingoism in the 80s and all the obsession with the military and thinking that the military can do no wrong you know you know gi joe and red dawn and things like that permeating the culture you know um and then like all the consumerism uh filling your house with uh art which we can debate whether it's high quality art or not but um that he clearly doesn't understand just filling it his house up with things to look like he's successful Mm. having you know the most high-tech things he's got his bar and his jacuzzi wired for sound he's got this satellite dish that he doesn't know how to use and ends up bringing about destruction of the world yeah um and the only way to stop the alien invasion is to stop watching TV for about 200 years. But (laughs) no American is capable of doing that because we don't have the attention span or the selflessness or the forward thinking to turn off our TV or turn off, log off Twitter or whatever for more than five seconds. Right. So it's, it's like, it's taking aim at everything, but it's not scattershot. It's just making precision shots at every single aspect of American culture to me. And I'm, I'm sure there are things that I'm not even mentioning because there's just so much going on, but. Yeah. Well, I mean, particularly I, I, that was really with the parents in particular, I was not, I was definitely picking up on that. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, As you said, like, uh, I mean, I love the idea that he comes in, he says like, welcome to the pleasure dome. And I'm like, it's a couple of plants and a, you know, it's a pool, it's a pool and a, uh, and a TV and Mm -hmm. some plants. And, uh, and that's, that's his pleasure dome. Right. You know, um, and of course, like the, even the swinger couple, uh, you know, uh, and like I said, there is the homophobic joke and, you know, mm-hmm. maybe, and maybe the kind of the anti-Greek joke. Right. But uh, the wife, Cherry, is a dumb blonde, you know, mm-hmm. uh, who is obviously into uh, swinging. Uh, and so, yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of satire going on in this film about uh, 80s culture. Uh, and particularly, I think that nihilistic uh, stuff like Brady Stanellis was doing years mm-hmm. would do mm-hmm. later. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the eighties are materialistic, they're nihilistic, they are self, uh, self-involved, yeah. um, and are all about, or like return of the living dead. I mean, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Another favorite of mine for very similar reasons, I think, yeah. but yeah. And you know, when they bring Medusa in, supposedly the kids are the heroes because they're the last people standing, all the adults are dead. Um, but they figure out that they can, um, 
manipulate and use the hungry beast for their own ends. They are very exploitative of it. They're, Mm -hmm. they're not these heroic kids and the movie even name checks ET. These are not heroic (laughs) kids. It's not a tearjerker. It's not heartwarming. These are greedy little money grubbing kids who want to use this alien for their own ends and get rich off of them. And, you know, they OD hits the hungry beast at one point. They're they're abusive toward it. So well, even you know, even the I'm sorry, what were the what were the aliens? The Plutonians or whatever? The yeah, the Plutonians. They're from Plutonia. Like even, even they're like, you know, kind of an eighties stereotype as well. Cause mm-hmm. they're they're their way of disposing of their their refuse because it's a it's a pet that's no longer useful. Exactly. Right? It's to just shoot it out into space and hope it doesn't land on a planet, basically. I yeah, mean, it's basically a dog that got too big. And they're right. like, well, he was or like the alligator puppy, in but... the sewers. Exactly. But, yeah. Uh but yeah, they're like, because it's not really an accident that it got shot into space like that. They're like, well, we converted it into energy and shoot it into the far reaches of the universe. It's just that he had the satellite dish that had landed there. Was the exactly. Accident. Yeah. So they're, you know, littering basically. It's right. like yeah. space they're litter. Like, mm-hmm. They're just space burying their garbage. Like, it'll never, yeah, it'll never come back to us. So who cares? You know? Yeah, exactly. Like nobody thinks about anybody else. Everybody's totally selfish. And, mm-hmm. you know, what works for me in the moment is all that matters. It's a very 80s ideology. And all of the characters think like that. Yeah, I had actually noticed that was one of the things I picked up really, really, uh, very, very quickly with this movie was how quickly the uh, the kids take ownership of uh, of the monster. Yeah. Um, Versus like E.T. where he was like one of the family. Right. Um, And uh, which is probably unfortunately is probably a more realistic uh, take on humanity. Um, Absolutely. Nobody would ever, you know, take care of. uh, Well, even in E.T. there was a they really didn't always treat E.T. like its own person. I mean, at first they kind of treat him like a thing and then they start realizing that it's probably way smarter than they are. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. but the inverse happens with Mm -hmm. uh, Interovision because they learn that it can talk, they learn that it can think, and then they're like, you know what? We own this alien. This is our property. We're We're going to use it for money and get it on TV. We're going to sell a billion of these, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Very 80s mindset. How could we sell this? You know, Right, exactly. Normally, your pet rock doesn't eat your entire family, guys. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I do like, I think probably my favorite character in it is actually um, uh, the alien that shows up later to take care of them. (laughs) Uh, He's he was such a such a lot of fun to just kind of pop up and be like, you know, uh, and uh, and subvert the the all powerful alien hero type thing that comes in at the end, you know, uh, and that's a legitimately clever still. That's a legitimately clever scene where Medusa finally gets involved and she just goes for the wrong thing immediately. Yeah. Yes, it's yeah. it's such a clever subversion and it's so funny and so like if it weren't so candy colored and filled with like real, a really awesome soundtrack, it would be right. really bleak. Yeah, again, like it's, our, it's very our dark souls, on paper. Yeah, our sole source of salvation just got murdered by this, you know, awful horror mm. host, and now we're we're just out of luck and but right. it, it reads as bleak on paper but it's just so hilarious and so perfect and what year know. was fright night because i feel like this 85? Came out the same time. yeah so it came out the year before so it might have been a little bit of uh one of the bit of that in, in their yeah. character yeah for sure I, I do like that they going back into I'll, the the parents who are swingers who are supposedly sex positive but right. not really the, they i'm kind, kind of surprised they didn't her. try to actually get elvira for the role um <laughs> Because I guess it, eventually, 
They very well may have. Well, she originally may. they wanted Mary Warnoff to, to play that role. And she's like, you yeah. know, I could see you casting me this, but I'd much rather play the mom, which I think is a good choice. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got a lot more to do, first of all. Um, yeah, she brings so much like, to her lines. Some of her right. lines. Um, and, and at the time, she was more, you know, even even then she was a cult movie actress. So oh, yeah. She was probably like, you know, can I do something different than what everybody mm-hmm. would immediately think me to do? Right. And she turns it into this far more bizarre than it probably would have been in anyone mm-hmm. else's hands which i appreciate right yeah. well the things mary warnoff can kind of do with her face are yeah. are yeah. really quite exceptional uh mm-hmm. she's, she's very she's she's very expressive mm-hmm. as an actress um and, and but in a in a way that i think as as we kind of kept coming back around to in a way that's sort of cartoonish that's sort right. of over the top um you know i did mary warnoff ever do an actual serious role i'm not certain uh, guys, not that guys, I can remember off the top of my head. Uh, it seems like well, you guys in the House cinema. of the Devil, she, I think, yeah, the, her, the, yeah. the House of the Devil is pretty serious. Like it's still horror, but it's not like crazy, you know. Yeah, it's not like a Corman kind of thing, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, she was in like you know a minute of The Devil's Rejects, but that doesn't count because she barely even had any lines. Um, right. Yeah. She was the one who picked up uh, Baby Firefly or whatever in the car and immediately yeah. got murdered. Yeah. But uh, but I mean, these are the roles she's known for. Right. You know, uh, this uh, eating Raul. Uh, right. uh, uh, what else was she in? She, she continued Death that Race role 2000. in Chopping Mall very briefly. Yep. Yes, Chopping yeah. Mall, which yeah. was uh, she played her. I believe she played her, her eating Raul character. Yeah, eating Raul character. She, yeah, yeah, she was a Knight of the Comet as well, wasn't she? Thanks. So mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, it was a smaller role, but I think she was in it. Yep. Uh, I mean, of course, also she's in like she's in some really terrible stuff. Like she's actually there's a riff tracks of uh, Blood Theater by uh, mm. uh, Rick Sloan, yes. director of Hobgoblins, and Mary Warrenoff plays a role in that. Uh, and it's usually the best part of that movie. She right. she's uh, because she's so expressive. Um, mm. And and uh, well, I like Rick. I like look. I like Rick Sloan movies. So I, I love him. Hobgoblins for me, is for me, he's, <laughs> he's the best part of his mo- that movie. But she's the best actress in it by far. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I had a conversation with Rick Sloan once on uh, on Facebook Messenger. He was a really nice guy. I yeah. actually really He's really that. nice. I posted a really complimentary review of Hobgoblins when I first started horror blogging, and I think he right. like, immediately friended me on Facebook. And I was just yeah, he like, owns the coolest thing. <laughs> he owns Hobgoblins, and he's you know really good sport about movie. Mystery Science Theater because yeah. yeah, that's that's another one that I think is you know kind of a good. I I don't want to say it in like a in a gatekeepy kind of way but that's a good entry level schlock movie to get into because it's it's not too far in the weeds but it's also bad right that's 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 one that i unironically love and i prefer the actual movie to the mst3k version of the movie i would rather just watch hobgoblins which is not that sounds like madness to me but (laughs) i would watch i would watch an entire an hour and a half of just them being a club scum and playing (laughs) playing that song over and over again (laughs) Fish that picker. alone is enough for me. Yeah, fish picker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a yeah, it's a pretty remarkable. Uh, it's a remarkable film, Hobgoblins. But uh, but yeah, Mary Warnoff was in uh, was in Blood Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but, you know, my point is that she's a, she's such an expressive actress that I'm really glad they gave her this part. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and she was able to bring a lot to it. Um, I mean, I love the, the introduction of her is that she's exercising in the workout age workout gear with high heels. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, "Oh, it's a train song," you know. But uh, 
which um, we I don't think we've really uh, done a shout out to the wardrobe per se. Mm. Like we've talked a little bit about how ma- how amazing Susie looks, yeah. But right. like the hair and wardrobe on the entire movie are just perfection. Absolutely, it's so good. Absolutely, yeah. And again, it's like it's like all the pieces behind the scenes are working mm-hmm. as they should. Yeah, and you know, part of the reason I think all of us like you know B movies and you know genre movies is because you know they they can't usually afford like you know a patrick swayze or a tom cruise so they populate the film with character actors and i think we all everybody who's into genre film just loves character actors because they put in so such good work Mm -hmm. and when you have a whole like this one's just filled with you know good character actors when i'm looking at imdb um for you know because i try to list a couple things everybody's been in and a lot of times these movies like like there's nothing big because they've been in you know one episode of 75 different tv shows <laughs> right exactly um, yeah like that's this cast is fans... no exception like you know half of them were in like an episode or two of a star trek series you know right? yeah because they're just good character actors you know they're not huge names they're but they put in great work every time and they they, right. they never kind of roll out autopilot yeah, that's a good point because I'm obsessed with character actors. I get more excited right. when I see like that's why Dick Miller is the patron yeah. saint of horror fans. Right. You know, we're obsessed with the interesting people, not necessarily yeah. the big names. Yeah, I mean, you can be a big name and be interesting, but to me, like you know, the Mary Warrenoffs of the world are far yeah, more even fascinating. Dick, even, even Dick Miller is kind of at that that right. um, the crossover point where you know is he playing a character actor or is he just playing dick miller in this right true um, true but, but that's now, still that, fun <laughs> yeah that not to say anything bad about his performance because he fucking kills it every time right. <laughs> but you know it's like oh it's walter paisley again hey how you doing buddy <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yes the the uh well the thing that uh, i really noticed when watching this movie last night other than like you know the the sort of selfish nature of the 80s characters right. was the uh was the production design on this film is, is just mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic right. um it never it, it uh to the point where i actually it did sort of call attention to itself for me i it not it's not a flaw of the movie the right. movie doesn't call attention to it mm-hmm. but for me watching the film i was like wow I'm, I'm really keying in on how this film looks and yes. uh and and it yeah. looks amazing uh and you could tell it's low budget you know, you can tell there's not a lot of money, but uh, the set design is is exceptional. Uh, they make uh, this place look garish, but affluent at the same time. Right. And like you said, it looks Sam, like you know, a set, but it doesn't look yeah, like it's obviously you know, a set, design. But yeah, <laughs> it's obviously not a house, you know, right. but it mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, it's definitely a stage. But um, they dress it up and make it look mm-hmm. really quite exceptional. I yeah. wonder and, how and much of that. that. Right. I wonder how much of that because this movie became popular from VHS and from being mm-hmm. played on like late night television. Mm-hmm. Um, it only made like three hundred and twenty thousand dollars in the theaters. It bombed. Yeah. Um, but I wonder how much of like the the lasting effect and the, the fact that you know this has become a cult classic has to do with the fact that it was made by people who know how to to make movies for video. Uh, this is so bright and so so mm. well designed. Where VHS is not a good format for film. Um, I'm sorry, Nathaniel. <laughs> I know you love VHS. I do too. It's close to my heart. It's what I grew up on. It's a it's a bad format. It's it's low yeah. res. It's low color. Things get washed out. You watch movies in the theater, and they're made for 35 or 70 millimeter. Right. Even you know in the 80s there was there was respectable cinema, so to speak, was 
natural color, natural light. And it doesn't always translate well to mm -hmm. VHS or, you know, cable television or UHF station on a, on a 20 inch TV. If you're, if you're lucky, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's why, these that's people, why I love the format is that I love people, watching these old movies on that format. But yeah. Right. But these people knew how to, how to make and market movies for VHS. Sure. Um, and if you take like, you know, I don't know. First thing that comes to my head is platoon. Wonderfully shot, wonderfully done. If you see it on TV, it looks kind of washed out. It looks a little visually uninteresting in places. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're if you're seeing it in the old old style, where it's literally broadcast television or VHS. Mm -hmm. This, you know, I watched on VHS. I've I've seen it on. I think it was probably up all night. Um, probably, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> it, it looks vibrant. It looks visually interesting. It it's it's. I wonder if it's just because they knew how to do these things, you know, intrinsically, just without thinking about it. Probably almost certainly. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I don't think so. I missed out on seeing this on VHS because, like I said, I didn't see And the see other thing until... is a lot of this, a lot of this is fairly, it's not gory. Mm. There's not really nudity. No. Other than no. the paintings. It's so it's easy to show on TV. Mm -hmm. You know, it's right. even, you know, basic cable, which is probably where it ran the most, I'm guessing. I didn't get into it. Okay. But you don't have to cut much, so they can play it a lot, you know? Yeah. It kind of toes that line between appropriate and inappropriate for all ages. Uh, right. Like, I it feels how to, kind of how to market this it, in the aftermarket. Yeah. 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 It feels taboo, but it doesn't really show anything. So it's kind of perfect for, right. you know, monster kids who stay up late and watch stuff on TV. Right. Because even, even at the time, Charles Band, you know, Empire um, was making, you know, VHS rack movies for the most part. Mm -hmm. They all, they, I think almost all of them had been in theaters, but they weren't really made for that. They were made to make money on, on video, which is, which yeah. is, you know, kind of where the whole genre started, video genre. It was in the 80s for people just making stuff to sell at the video store. Mm -hmm. Sure. What were you saying? Just a theory. You were saying something, Jessica, before uh, Sam cut you off. I think he's a little out of sync. Oh, yeah. um, I, I'm, I think I lost my train of thought a bit. Just I, 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 I did not grow up watching this on TV and I was uh, obsessed with up all night. I was a Ron yeah. Shear girl through and through. Um, but I, I don't remember ever seeing this on TV or in the video store. Like I never saw, and I, I would have remembered it. Like we talked about that cover art. I would have remembered yeah. seeing it in the video store, yeah. um, but I didn't see it till, you know, like I was 22, 23 at a horror festival. So it, it this was kind of like a, a lost treasure for me. You know, right. I, I love that people grew up seeing it on television all the time. Um, but I kind of discovered it that way. But I, and I do own a VHS copy of it now, even though I don't own a VCR, just because I, <laughs> I buy everything television right. that I can find. <laughs> right. Good um, idea. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, but I I love the idea that they were aiming for that market because it is like there's no way for this movie to look dull. No. No. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, and I I love. I've actually I don't think I've seen this on VHS. I think I've only seen it either streaming or on uh, on the internet uh it would be interesting to see how it does uh does look on tape um uh like i said i mean i i, I couldn't up. i couldn't tell you how it looked back in the day i just but i know i've, I've seen it a couple times i had the blu-ray for that double feature blu-ray for a while but i lost it somewhere so i had to watch it on youtube too <laughs> I, i've got that double feature with the video dead so i that's what i watched right. on last night <laughs> 
I almost I almost picked that up at one point like a long time ago, and I think I ended up for whatever reason not doing it. I know the video dead is on Amazon Prime, but uh, right. um, but yeah. Uh, so we're running up on the time. Uh, uh, last uh, last thoughts on uh, Terror Vision before we sign off. Uh, for me, it's just that I'm going to have that theme song stuck in my head for the next three days. But I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'll let you know in three days. <laughs> <laughs> I submitted this. I listen to that on repeat all the time. But, right. you know, um, just if you haven't seen the movie or if you think that, you know, this movie, it's, you know, it's cheesy. It's terrible. Give it a shot with an open mind. It's better than most people give it credit for, I think. And it's so much fun. It's so smart. So funny. Um, I, I really can't recommend it enough. And please come talk to me on Twitter about this movie if you go watch it for the first time. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I would echo that statement. It's definitely, uh, it's it's definitely like when I watched on YouTube, I saw that the like, recommended links were like so bad it's good. Uh, right. uh, YouTube, you know, videos, and I'm like, I don't think that's really very accurate. Um, right. You know, it's it's a it's a B movie for sure, but it's a it's right. one made with an awful lot of love and an awful lot of care and a lot. But well, there's a there's a YouTube oh. series. I think it's called Good Bad Movies that did an episode on this, and I think yeah. they did a good job of. Of pointing out some some good stuff about it. Oh, all right. Um, tell us it's time for your shameless plug, Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> what? what? Um. What do you, what do you got every... I, everything is centralized on my Twitter page. I'm at we who walk here. Um, I write for film cred, nightmarish conjurings. I just started doing a comics column for daily grindhouse talking about horror comics. Nice. Um, I've got a podcast called monster books podcast about kids, horror books for adult horror fans. Nice. Um, and I, I'm not kidding. Anytime anybody wants to talk about television, I'm open to it. So yeah, come come find me on at We Who Walk Here and for all my writing and all my silly cosplay and all my ramblings about television. <laughs> She's uh, definitely one of my my favorite people to follow on Twitter. So if you're not following oh, her already, do so. Um, thank you. And I'm so we're, we're so happy to have you on. We'll we'll definitely have to have you on again. I would love uh, that. It's been so much fun. Good. Good. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, as usual, we remind everybody. Uh, uh, well, actually, first of all, again, uh, thank you very much. I'm uh, Jessica Scott for being here. Uh, I'm Nathaniel. Samuel. And uh, thank you very much for watching or listening where you're not watching. Uh, <laughs> I am uh, half asleep. And um, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah. Well, and... you were up. You were up all night dancing by the TV light, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I was doing something all night. It, it, <laughs> right. it just mostly involved watching television at the hotel I work at. Um, <laughs> but uh but we thank you very much for listening, um, and we always appreciate the shares and retweets and uh, and and the listens. Um, it's it's uh, we love doing it, and um, we're we're hoping to keep growing. Um, and we remind everybody, as usual, to uh, keep it positive, keep it constructive, uh, love yourself, love your fellow horror fans, and uh, and just enjoy your B Charles Band films. Um, and uh, thank you very much. Good night and Namaste. Dancing at the demo. Dancing at the demo. Oh.